You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen, and I have the great pleasure of welcoming into our virtual studio today, Vice Principal Advancement at Queen's University, Karen Bertrand. Welcome, Karen. How are you today? Oh, thanks so much, Dinah. I'm great. Thank you. Really excited to have you in the stu- in my virtual studio today. Lots to talk about the university announcing just recently the class of 2020 giving $14,000 to Food Banks Canada, which is really just extraordinary news. And also uh, there's been a new initiative launched called the 184-180 campaign, which we'll talk about as well today. So thank you so much for giving us some of your time. But before we jump into that, Karen, can we learn a little bit about you and, and maybe your own time as a student at Queen's University? And maybe you can talk too about your role as Vice Principal Advancement. Oh, I'd be happy to. So I am, uh, Dinah, as you mentioned, I am, I'm, a, I'm a proud Queen's graduate from uh, ArtSci 94. And like many of the students at Queen's, I was the first in my family to be able to uh, attend university. And I did so thanks to the assistance of donors. And so I will be forever grateful for that opportunity and the experience uh, that I gained here at Queen's. But it's also why I have always been quite thrilled to come full circle and return to Queen's as the vice principal advancement. The work we do in advancement, collaborating every day with our alumni and our donors who truly care about Queens and the student experience is meaningful to me both professionally and personally. Thank you so much. Now, as I mentioned at the top, Queen's University has announced just recently on February 3rd that the class of 2020 graduates are gifting over $14,000 to Food Banks Canada. And again, this is fantastic news. Now, before talking about this specific gift, Karen, can we learn more from you about how class gifts work overall? What is a class gift? Why are they given? And how how far back does this Queen's tradition actually go? Mm -hmm. We actually have quite a a long history of classes giving to support the university. It actually goes back to the early 1900s when the funding to build Grant Hall fell through and the students on campus at that time banded together and helped raise the funds that were required to build what is now the iconic campus landmark that we all recognize. So I will say though that this class gift is quite unique. So class giving has a long history, but the fact of an entire class making a gift is really quite special. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in this case, the class is doing something that goes beyond our campus. So they are demonstrating how much as a class they care about the communities beyond campus as well, which is an incredibly important statement. Thank you so much. Now, with regard to the class of 2020's generous gift to Food Banks Canada, how was Food Banks Canada selected this year? Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting question. And and candidly, it would have been uh, really quite easy 
for the Office of Advancement at Queen's to select a worthy charity to make a gift in their name. But this um, effort was about the grads of 2020. They experienced their own challenges this year. And this was about taking the adversity that they experienced in their final year at Queen's and turning it around into something positive. So we wanted to make the charity that funds were donated to in their name about them and decided by them. So mechanically, what we did is we forwarded a long list of charities that have a national impact because alumni, as you know, do live across Canada and around the world. We forwarded that list to the Queen's University Alumni Association. They had further discussions, narrowed the gift, narrowed the list down to a, a list of eight charities. Mm -hmm. And then we asked the entire class of 2020 to vote and to select their charity of choice to which we would be making this uh, gift in their name. Okay. Now, we've also learned, too, that Queen's University is launching the 180 for 180, a new campaign aimed at new graduates. Karen, can you tell us more about this new community-engaging initiative, how it will work, and, of course, its overall goals? I'd be proud to. The, uh, the donation that the class of 2020 may, uh, made really was the catalyst to begin this hashtag 180 for 180 campaign. We hope others will join us in the effort as well, but it did all start with the class of 2020 and specifically with a unique gift that was given to the class of 2020 to recognize the uh, unusual and frankly quite extraordinary year that they experienced in their final year on campus. We commissioned a vintage style notebook, which was created by one of our talented Queens alumna, Alyssa Sokolowski. Sokolowski, sorry, we had conversations earlier about pronunciation. And we sent those notebooks to every graduate. In each notebook, there was a letter explaining that we wanted this gift to not only recognize their resilience, but to help them embark on their own journey of giving to others. We told them about how the purchase price of the notebook included a donation to a charity that we would be making in their name. And the donation was ultimately the one that they made to Food Banks Canada. And we also told them about the hashtag 180 for 180 campaign, which is about giving what you are able. In many cases, grads aren't always to get able to give financially, but they still want to give. And we thought that in this case, in the 180th anniversary year for Queens, we could ask the class of 20 to 2020 to encourage them to give of themselves, to take 180 minutes, to turn something around in their community and to advance a cause that was important to them. Turn it around 180 degrees for good. Okay. So... Tell us about one avenue you like to donate your time. I am very passionate about, um, in particular, the heart issues related to cardiovascular disease and the uh, the Heart and Stroke Foundation of Canada. It is an area that while uh, anybody familiar with my background knows that I worked for the Heart and Stroke Foundation of Ontario, as it was then known, for uh, 11 years it is an issue that has absolutely touched my family quite extensively on a very personal level. So the, um, the opportunity to support and to make a difference with respect to uh, individuals who live with cardiovascular disease on a daily basis is something that's very important to me. Thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate that. Mm -hmm. 
So have you any messages or words of advice while we have you here, Karen, on staying engaged for our campus community and global alumni listeners before we wrap up today? Mm-hmm. I would say that for me, it is always about connections. Thinking about what is important to you and how you can make a difference, because we all can in however, you know, whatever skills we can bring, however much time we can contribute to those things that are important to us, really being quite deliberate about making a difference in our communities, which will ultimately make a huge impact across the world. And that is exactly what Principal Dean has frankly been challenging the entire Queen's community to do. Wonderful. Anything else to add before we close? I will just simply say that uh, as we were thinking about the class of 2020 and how we wanted to celebrate their graduation and welcome them to the alumni community, thinking about the possibility of how this project would expand because of everything that everybody in the class would be doing to turn something 180 degrees in their community. It really is an incredible project and I cannot wait for the stories from the graduates to start coming in and we can share those more broadly with everybody. Thank you so much. Folks, we have been chatting with Vice Principal Advancement, Karen Bertrand of Queen's University. We've learned from her today about the class of 2020's $14,000 gift to Food Banks Canada, as well as the brand new 184-180 campaign that is now launched for new graduates and all participants in the community who wish to share their time. And thank you for sharing your time today with us, Karen. We really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Dinah. You take care. Bye. everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat. I'm Dinah Jansen. On Thursday, January 21st, 2021, the Association of Faculties of Medicine of Canada released a series of online educational modules for medical students across the country to help close some gaps in current educational offerings and ensure future physicians are better equipped to address pain management and addiction medicine. A new curriculum was developed by a multidisciplinary team from medical schools across the country, including a team from the Faculty of Health Sciences right here at Queen's University. And today we're joined by Dr. Richard Van Weilick, Associate Dean Professional Development in the Faculty of Health Sciences and Associate Professor in General Pediatrics, to talk about this important new program in medicine and Queen's University's contributions to it. Welcome, Richard. Hello, thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your research and clinical interests, and of course, your role as Associate Dean Professional Development. Well, like many of the faculty in the Faculty of Health Sciences, I have lots of different roles. I have a clinical role as a pediatrician, looking after children and their families with a wide range of medical problems. But I also have an administrative role as the Associate Dean of Professional Development in the faculty. And that role uh, brings me to lead an office called the Office of Professional Development and Educational Scholarship. It's a fairly large office. We have quite a few people working there and a number of different mandates. Two very important ones is the 
ongoing education of healthcare professionals after they've finished their training so that they stay up to date on all of the latest uh, techniques and all of the latest information in the practice of uh, various fields of healthcare. Uh, but also we, we have a large unit that builds online education modules for different programs across uh, the faculty and, and throughout the country. Okay, Richard, so tell us more about the situation in medical pain management and the management of patients' opioid use. What limitations are there for physicians at the moment in diagnosis and treatment? Well, of course, the opioid crisis is something that's been building for quite some time. And uh, the Association of Faculties of Medicine of Canada, which is a national organization representing the 17 uh, medical schools across the country, recognized that, that they needed to have a response. And, and, and the best way for a group like that to respond is to look at educational techniques to particularly address the needs uh, of medical students so that they're best prepared. We know that early training and early um, knowledge helps all kinds of healthcare professionals, including physicians, be better at responding to these difficulties. So the opioid crisis was leading to things like overdose deaths, unfortunately, um, substance use uh, difficulties. And so an educational approach was certainly uh, needed. The uh, AFMC, as we call it, um, applied uh, to Health Canada uh, to build a national curriculum for medical students to help respond to the opioid crisis by standardizing the education and making available experts from across the country to medical students. And that's what this curriculum was built to achieve. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with these limitations in mind, tell us more about the collaborative work your team in the Faculty of Health Sciences here at Queen's undertook with peers at other medical schools in Canada to develop a new curriculum. Ultimately, how did you and your colleagues determine what issues need to be addressed and what needs to be taught to future doctors? So the Faculty of Health Sciences was involved in a couple of different ways with the AFMC in building this curriculum. First of all, um, the AFMC needed to find experts from across the country who knew about the opioid crisis, knew what types of education we needed to provide to medical students to help address that, and who had the expertise to deliver that. So Queen's participated in a significant way in providing experts to the content and to what needed to be taught. Uh, as a, one of the 17 medical schools, we have experts like every school does across the country. Um, so Queens uh, at a faculty level did that. My office in particular then worked as a contractor for the AFMC to first of all do uh, an environmental scan, if you like, to look around and see what was out there in terms of curricula uh, within Canada and around the world. Uh, what are the best practices? What are the pieces of information everyone thinks medical students need to know, and then to work with the AFMC to engage with the experts themselves in Canada to figure out where are the gaps, what other issues need to be addressed in the curriculum, and then to uh, work with uh, those experts to figure out what's the best structure for a curriculum and the best way to deliver that to medical students. Once that was done, we were then able to go on to actually build the curriculum uh, with experts and put it through a, a number of different uh, testing situations, if you like, to make sure that it worked and, uh, and ultimately release it as we did last week. Now, we understand one Camilla Fateau, a patient collaborator, also stated in a news release that this new curriculum is a step in the right direction and will help future physicians better inform and educate patients on the proper management of opioids. Richard, can you tell us more about the role that patient collaborators also played in the development of the new curriculum? 
So patient groups, which include patients, were involved in the development of the curriculum all the way along. There were a number of uh, governing uh, committees, if you like, and groups that were involved in guiding the project along, contributing to the content, providing feedback on things, and patient groups were a big, big part of that. And I think that's actually a really exciting part of uh, this curriculum. Um, the opioid crisis is um, obviously a very important issue to people across the country, people who have struggled perhaps with opioid use. And, um, and so having uh, patients and patient groups involved in uh, designing the curriculum and providing expert content, I think was absolutely essential and has made the product all the better. Great. Okay, so tell us more about some of the modules and, and what issues they will address. So there's a, a number of modules that are available online. Um, right now, they're hosted and delivered in the Faculty of Health Sciences Elentra uh, platform, uh, uh, which has been uh, made to provide a, a Canada-wide AFMC uh, experience, but the backbone is uh, what was built here. And the team that built them was very much rooted in um, the Bachelor of Health Sciences program, which has been a fully online program delivered by our faculty for several years. So they had developed expertise in building online content of high quality, uh, interactive, uh, very um, fun to work your way through, uh, providing lots of opportunity to test your own knowledge as you work your way through them. And so they're uh, available to medical students. We've also made those modules available uh, independent of our learning management system to the medical schools across the country in case they wanna just implement them in their own. Our hope is, and we've had very good feedback from the medical schools across the country that they will implement our curriculum in a meaningful way into their own curricula so that we uh, then have medical students across the country for, for what I think is the very first time learning from a common curriculum on a topic of importance. What are the overall goals of the new curriculum? I think the overall goals are, uh, well, ultimately the goal is to improve the quality of life of those who have uh, opioid use difficulties, to improve the quality of life for patients and for people in, in the country. Obviously, that's why Health Canada funded this project. Uh, that's their interest, is the well-being of Canadians. And that is the ultimate goal of the project. Of course, we also want to make sure that medical students have the knowledge they need and have a good uh, learning experience and that they get to learn from the experts from across the country and aren't uh, dependent on just what local expertise is available, but really people from all across the country. Great. Now, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about stigma. Are there modules that address stigma around substance use and, and maybe addressing stigma amongst... Uh amongst medical professionals? No, absolutely. The stigma is an important issue in, uh, in medicine and uh, for people. Um, and I think that's been one of the important uh, benefits of having the patient collaborators involved. They were able to uh, not just look at the specific issue of stigma, which is addressed in the, in the content, but to make sure that there are no inadvertent stigmatizing points uh, anywhere in the curriculum in terms of language or how uh, issues are addressed so that we really can ensure a curriculum that is uh, rigorous and appropriate. And have you any comments on addressing and reducing stigma in our own community about opioid use? Well, stigma, of course, is a, a difficult topic and it's one of, that always needs to be addressed. And I would just encourage people to 
ensure in their daily interactions that they they think about the person, the person who has difficulty with pain, who has perhaps an opioid use difficulty. These are people, and we always have to remember to to be there to help them where they need it. So let's talk a little bit more about logistics. What will the? Can you tell us a little bit more about the platform? Can you tell us a little bit more about the platform and when the modules will be made available for medical students? So Elentra is the learning management system from the Faculty of Health Sciences that uh, is the backbone for delivering the content. Um, the, the modules were offered out in a pilot form um, to 170 medical students across the country. You'll see that there's some symmetry there. There are 17 medical schools, so 10 students at least from each were also involved. And so the pilot uh, was used to refine the content, to make it better. Um, and um, now we've launched, it's fully launched. It's available to every medical student across the country. They're able to sign in, make an account and go through the content. Our hope is that medical students, schools will make it part of their content. It's also available uh, to the general public who wanna look at the content. Now, eventually, will all medical students across Canada take these modules in their final form, and, and will they be mandatory or elective? So these are now available in their final form to anyone who wants to take them, any medical student. They've all been told about them. They all have the ability to, to access them. Um, it's now up to individual medical schools to decide how and where they will integrate all or part of it into the formal and the formally assessed curriculum. Uh, what we found, though, even in the pilot, is that there was overwhelming interest by medical students. And I, I suspect whether their schools implement it or not, which we hope they will and we think they will, um, medical students will take and go to this content because they see the importance of it. Right. And it's important that all medical students have access to these modules because all of them uh, would be working in the management of pain regardless of their fields, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the the... Curriculum includes uh, content for all kinds of patient populations, from children to the elderly to pregnant women. It really doesn't matter what field of medicine you're in. You will see and treat patients who have uh, opioid use disorder or who have chronic or acute pain. I like how you talked earlier about being part of a team. And of course, medicine and medical practitioners are also team players vis-a-vis uh, -vis the nursing staff and emergency response teams that they also work with. So a little bit beyond our scope, but what about nurses and emergency response teams? Are you able to comment more on the role and opportunities for training vis-a-vis -vis opioid use and response that might be available to them? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the practice of healthcare is very much a team sport. Our curriculum addresses the need for a team approach uh, in it. It is a curriculum, however, designed for uh, medical students. There are similar curricula being designed. I know very specifically the Canadian Association of Schools of Nursing are working on a similar product and a, a similar project. And so uh, I expect that there will be a, lots of overlap between the two. In fact, we've talked to each other about the projects. And so um, very much this is a team effort. Okay, great. Um, how is this project funded? So Health Canada funded this project. We're very grateful to them. They provided the funding to uh, uh, the AFMC to build uh, the curriculum and to evaluate its effectiveness. Great. Anything else to add today? I might just say that, you know, the, ex the exciting part for us is that Health Canada has generously funded part two of what, of what we call part two of this project, which is to 
now build the next set of online education for uh, residents. Those are people who graduated from medical school who are now doing their specialty training and what we call the continuing professional development community, which is the post licensure now practicing community of uh, physicians and others uh, on the very similar topics. Obviously we'll have a little different spin now that they are out in practice, but we're actively now building uh, content for uh, those audiences. So we're very excited about that. Outstanding. Thank you so much, folks. We have been chatting with Dr. Richard Van Wylick, Associate Dean Professional Development in the Faculty of Health Sciences and Associate Professor in General Pediatrics right here at Queen's University, all about a brand new curriculum for medical students across the country to help close some gaps in the current educational offerings uh, to ensure that they, our future doctors, are better equipped to address pain management and addiction medicine. Thank you so much, Richard, for joining us today. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. Hey.